environmental justice report with Janine Moloff. We had some technical difficulties about 10 minutes ago. We have them fixed. So whatever you heard before, just disregard. Tonight, we're going to be talking about how lobby and corporate law firms further push the criminalization of protests, especially environmental protests. We're going to start with a little ditty first. I don't know how many of you of a certain age remember uh, a little cartoon that aired on Saturday mornings that taught us about the Constitution, among other things. It was called Schoolhouse Rock, and there was this one little song called um, I Am a Bill. Well, here's what happened. The Civil Liberties Defense Center created a darkly humorous video called ALEC Rock, and ALEC stands for the American Legislative Exchange Council, and they're basically a bill mill. They write these template or model bills that are really just tearing apart our, our Bill of Rights. So listen carefully. All jokes aside, this parody is frankly too close to the plain brown paper wrapper truth. Here we go. Hopefully it'll play. Here we go. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long time. Tough break, Billy Boy, but there's a new way to make laws these days. Alex the name, man. You better not disgrace the limo, pal. See, it works like this nowadays. A bunch of corporations get together and get tax write-offs for bankrolling a, a charity called the American Legislative Exchange Council. Sounds pretty official, huh? Then they schmooze and booze a whole lot of politicians from states all over the country at posh hotels. Corporate bucks also buy scholarships for politicians. If you're a scholar of drinking scotch, smoking cigars, and playing golf at a resort. So now there's suddenly one big happy family. The corporations, the lobbyists, the politicians. They all get together far away from your citizens and voters. And the unelected lobbyists secretly vote with the politicians. As equals, of course, on the things the corporations want to do. Like, uh... Get clean air and water rules, raise your credit card rates as high as they want, crush them democratic unions, make it easier to get away with shooting people, and profitize, <clears throat> privatize schools, prisons, bail, immigration, and what have you. Hell, they privatize their own mothers. So once the politicians have been wined and dined, a little campaign contribution here, a good time there, the politicians are... <clears throat> Legislators head back to their capitals or Congress and fast track as many of these bills as they can. And here I am, a model Alec bill, soon to be law. It's a hell of a lot easier and more fun than how you used to do it with all those regular old citizens and meddling media watching your every move. Face it, you're washed up. Corporations have made government of the people obsolete, Bill. It's a thing of the past. What do you have to say for yourself, you old dreamer? Please help. I ought to stand my ground on you right here. Put you out of your misery. Okay, so that was that delightful little ditty from the Civil Liberties Defense Center. And once again, this was a parody on an old cartoon and you can tell from the lyrics, hopefully you heard it pretty well, that Alec really isn't a joke, though. They're very serious and very dangerous. And so I'm just going to get right into it. And this deals with environmental racism because a lot of these laws are cracking down on protest, and specifically protests 
that affects that protests basically in terms of the environmental um, issues and in parts of the country where communities of color are being deluged with pollution and toxins and they are being poisoned and yet basically corporate gets away with it. So for over 40 years, Alex, or the American Legislative Exchange Council, has perfected the fine art of what is dubbed corporate capture. This is an actual term, not my term. And this corporate capture of our democracy into a highly profitable creation. Since 1973, this group has made the mantra of pay to play, a wholesale, one-stop shop experience for multiple corporate groups. So what is corporate capture? Well, according to a group called Alec Attacks, which is basically a watchdog group among several others that wants to protect our civil liberties against people like Alec, uh, corporate capture is, quote, the co-opting of systems of governance by a private, unaccountable economic elite to advance their own agendas, and it's an example of a phenomenon known as corporate capture. So corporate capture is basically this economic elite, they're advancing their agenda, and they control the entire discussion. So such corporate capture is, quote, a del according to Alec Attacks, quote, a deliberate strategy employed by corporations and those atop hierarchical systems of power and privilege to maintain the social, political, and economic status quo at the expense of human rights and ecological justice. And you have to wonder, why are they allowed to get away with this? But they are, and, and the, the answer is money. Alec maintains the pay-to-play scheme by, quote, ghostwriting the law. In other words, the attorneys behind Alec, which is uh, largely a couple of lawyers attached to this one group, this one law firm called Shook, Hardy, and Bacon, they create model legislation in a template, fill-in-the-blanks format, and then they lobby, lobby hard for these model bills that are engineered to crush any remaining pittance of democratic rule for the non-rich. And, and, and it really is a fill-in-the-blank type thing. I've, I've seen these. Uh, basically, they write the, the actual law, and then you just fill in what, how much penalty you want people to have and so on and so forth. So this very definition of corporate capture, the system exists not only to steal power for the rich, but by default also further devastates lower-income communities and especially communities of color. By this very subset, Alex's existence is another example of a tool that has been used to perpetuate environmental racism. And though there are legislative members, there are legislator members of Alex. That's the ironic part. You have, for instance, the newly promoted single black Republican, Senator Tim Scott. Well, Senator Tim Scott gave a speech at the RNC, and the, even the liberal media has been basically been playing very soft pedal with him. But Tim Scott's been a member of ALEC for some time, even before he was a U.S. senator. <laughs> and he is an intelligent person, and he knows the effects of Alex's model bills do result in economic, social, health, and political devastation for the very communities of color that he loves to say he comes from, coming from you know, a single-parent household. We don't need to look any further than Louisiana's infamous Cancer Alley <laughs> excuse me, 
to see the effects of Alex's anti-protest legislation. Okay, so Tim Scott basically loves to perpetuate this idea that he's one of the the good Republicans, but how good is he if he's been a long-standing member of Alex? If Alex literally rapes communities of color of their rights. And a perfect example of environmental racism that Tim Scott has been very tone deaf towards would be Louisiana's infamous Cancer Alley. Okay. And the effects of Alex's anti-protest legislation, which basically criminalizes protected First Amendment activities. And it doesn't matter that the cancer rate along what's called Cancer Alley is astronomical and directly linked to some 140 chemical plants in this one town in Louisiana spewing toxins into the air and water. Black legislators, black Republicans like Senator Tim Scott have proven to be notoriously tone deaf to the cries nationwide of the black community from which he claims was his home. Not Louisiana, but the black community itself. So this show is speaking to the anti-protest legislation spawned by ALEC and how this legislation furthers the egregious crime of environmental racism. And, and it is egregious. There's, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, too many people that live in affluent white suburbs think they can just go into their gated communities and these toxins won't affect them. But if they start looking at the increasing demographics along cancer rates across all populations, they're going to start to find out that it does affect them. So Alec basically has worked to pass all sorts of bills but, and create laws, but the big one has been to make protest illegal, criminalizing environmental protests in particular, because a lot of the clients that come to them, even though they claim they're an education charity, happen to be from the fossil fuel industry. So ALEC, or the American Legislative Exchange Council, their entire reason for existence is, again, to create these templates fill-in-the-blank model legislation on a variety of topics that can be easily replicated and promoted nationwide, and they are. And ALEC has interfered with our democratic elect, democratically elected legislators regarding multiple issues, among which are the following. I'm going to give you an example. The No Sanctuary Cities for Illegal Immigrants Act. Okay, This proposed act was introduced in 23 states so far. The model legislation, quote, allows private citizens to sue their local or regional government, end quote, if those same private citizens merely feel that federal law is not being accurately enforced on that issue. That proposed act would also push harsher penalties for anyone who not only employs undocumented migrants, I, I refuse to word, use the term illegal, no person's illegal, but it would also push harsher penalties even if you had an undocumented migrant in your personal vehicle. Maybe you were giving, you know, an undocumented migrant who was just a, you know, 70-year-old lady a ride to the doctor. That's all it would take under that bill to charge you. Then you have the Castle Doctrine, okay? And this garbage piece of legislation, you know, is also known as the Stand Your Ground Law, okay? And it, quote, authorizes the use of deadly force, end quote, against an alleged intruder once they cross the threshold uh, to your home or vehicle. So, and again, it stands your ground. It was this moronic law that allowed the murder of Trayvon Martin by George Zimmerman and allowed Zimmerman off the hook. Now, the two sections, 
that deal with the criminalization of protest and really contribute to this whole idea of environmental racism, uh, it deals with environmental protest, is called very benignly the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act. It sounds so reasonable, you know, nothing crazy about it. But, and I've touched upon this in previous shows, but the goal of this model legislation, make no mistake about it, is to not only criminalize any protest at a critical infrastructure project, but it really does benefit specific industries, especially the fossil fuel industry, and especially oil and gas pipelines, okay? And, you know, protest is a protected constitutional right. We're talking about peaceable protest here. Um, but again, this is about making protest a criminal act so that fossil fuel corporations and pipelines can proceed without having to deal with any pesky citizens. And that act has been passed in some version in the following states as of July 2020. Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, my home state of Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Now, various versions of this act are pending in many other states. Though the act varies from state to state, most feature the criminalization of protesting what they call critical infrastructure protests as a felony, punishable by heavy fines and prison time. And here are some examples. Indiana's law, these are actual bills that were passed into law. So in Indiana, they passed this law and it includes up to a fine of $100,000 and up to six years in prison, okay, for a peaceable protest. Arkansas, their law has, says that, quote, rioters, and God only knows what they mean by that, could be held liable for property damage that was, quote, a direct or indirect result of a riot, okay? What the hell is an indirect result of a riot? To me, that sounds a whole lot like, okay, you have a peaceable protest and some people that are not part of your group come in, they start destroying things, and you take the blame. You're also prosecuted, even though it had absolutely nothing to do with what you were doing. Needless to say, this statute is really written so overly broad that the potential for prosecutorial abuse is enormous. North Dakota's law has provisions for, quote, Enhanced penalties for individuals who protest near existing and planned gas and oil pipelines by criminalizing acts that interrupt or interfere with critical infrastructure facilities, end quote. And this is from a group, um, this is from U.S. Protest Law, Law Tracker. Now, you have to wonder, what constitutes acts that interrupt or interfere? Seriously, does that include public speeches made nowhere near the actual physical site of the alleged critical infrastructure? Isn't this law a potential subversion of eventual free speech rights? Would a lawmaker who fights or attempts to amend this law be found guilty of a felony because they're interfering? Would a teacher who writes a fairly effective op-ed or editorial against some of these projects be charged with a felony because they're interfering under this utterly stupidly written statute. Now, these questions may seem like hyperbole. I assure you they are not. When your laws, when you have laws written and passed that contain overly broad and vague language, 
there is always room for prosecutorial abuse. Make no mistake about it. And you have to remember, why do a lot of attorneys become prosecutors? For a long time, that was the entryway into politics. Do you really think that some of these prosecutors that are very political and are in conservative states are going to want to antagonize the big corporate world and risk their political futures? I'm not saying all of them are dirty, but there's a quid pro quo that could be inferred. Let's put it that way. So who still supports ALEC in the corporate world? And why are laws against protests such a big deal in environmental racism? Well, here's the thing. Our legal system has become so incredibly complex that it's also incredibly expensive. And to say that we have equal access to the law in this nation is absurd, because we do not. You get as much justice as you can afford. And we know from past performance, past track record, all these corporate law firms have to do is keep filing, um, basically delay after delay after delay, and basically wait the clock out and anybody who tries to fight them in court is going to run out of money and then the corporation's going to win by default. And protest is one of the peaceful protests, one of the few tools we have. Okay. It just is. It, it, it creates publicity that embarrasses, especially the fossil fuel industry. It creates awareness because a lot of people in those very tony gated uh, suburban uh, streets, they might not care about what happens to communities of color on a lot of other issues. But when they start to realize that their children are going to breathe the same air and drink the same toxic water, then they're going to start to care. So the fossil fuel industry, in my opinion, as well as a lot of other chemical industries, they have a vested interest in making sure that the full truth never comes out about the risk to human health across the board. Polluted air polluted water filled with toxins created by industry does not discriminate between boundaries. That private gated community isn't going to suddenly magically have better water necessarily. True, it hits communities of color and low-income communities first, but it's eventually what goes around comes around. So the right to protest is an integral right and an important part of being able to defend ourselves against corporate greed and against that greed leading to toxins that shouldn't be there in our water and air and food. So then, okay, who, who supports ALEC in the corporate world? And the list is quite long. Some corporations left, but plenty still there. And many have an enormous power over the GOP of Trump. Here is a partial list. Alchemies, Altria. American Electric Power, American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers, Bayer, Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, BNSF Railroad, CenturyLink, Chevron, Dominion Energy, Duke Energy, see all these fossil fuel companies, Elal Lilly, FedEx, GlaxoSmithKline, Marathon Petroleum Corporation, Norfolk Southern, Novartis, Peabody Energy, Pfizer, Reynolds American, Transurban, UPS, Vistra Energy, in addition to, drumroll please, Tea Party Front Group, Americans for Prosperity, and their corporate benefactor as well, Coke Industries. By the way, when I mentioned Senator Tim Scott, and I know I'm kind of all over the place tonight because there's so much information, Senator Tim Scott has received 
historically campaign contributions from the Cokes. He is associated with the Tea Party. He's just more mannerful than most of them. But don't be fooled by the good manners. Tim Scott is no better than any of the others. He just has better manners. And I'm not saying that a black, per, a black man can't be a Republican or a conservative. Of course they can. But when they side with the very corporations that are basically predators against their own communities of color, yes, they need to be called out. So let's look at this model bill that's birthed by ALEC, known as the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act, because this is the core of all the criminalization of protest. And this is from ALEC's own website, okay? This is, it was finalized in 2018. It was begun, the date this bill was introduced was December 7th, 2017, Pearl Harbor Day, ironic. And the date finalized is January 20th, 2018. The task forces are energy, environment, and agriculture. These people are ALEC are well-organized. Here's Alex's summary, quote, drawing inspiration from two laws enacted in 2017 by the state of Oklahoma, this act codifies criminal, criminal penalties for a person convicted of willfully trespassing or entering property containing a critical infrastructure facility without permission by the owner of the property and holds a person liable for any damages to personal or real property while trespassing. The act also prescribes criminal penalties for organizations conspiring with persons who willfully trespass and or damage critical infrastructure sites and holds conspiring organizations responsible for any damages to personal or real property while trespassing. Okay, so if you had a part in the planning, but you didn't know that maybe someone was going to go rogue, you're still going to be held uh, accountable. Sounds innocuous enough, but the devil's in the details. And here's the thing, critical infrastructure means one of the following is completely enclosed by a fence or other physical barrier that is obviously designed to exclude intruders. It goes on without site authorization. There's this long thing. I'm not going to get into all this. I do have the notes. But the criminal penalties, let's get to that. That's the more interesting part. Quote, this is straight from Alec. Any person who shall willfully and knowingly trespass or enter property containing a critical infrastructure without permission by the owner of the property or lawful occupant thereof shall upon conviction be guilty of a misdemeanor punishable by a fine of not less than and then in parentheses dollar figure that's the fill in the blanks part or by imprisonment in the county jail for a term of and in parentheses length of time or by both such fine and imprisonment now here's the kicker it is determined the intent of the trespasser I'm sorry, if it is determined the intent of the trespasser is to willfully damage, destroy, vandalize, deface, or tamper with equipment in a critical infrastructure facility, shall, upon conviction, be guilty of a felony punishable by a fine of, again, dollar figure or by imprisonment, so on and so forth. Now, note one thing. It's bad enough to, okay, damage, destroy, vandalize, makes sense, even tamper. Okay, some equipment you tamper with, it could lead to an explosion. But to face, what does that mean? You know, somebody basically takes a spray paint can and, you know, smiley face on something and says, what, Alex sucks? That's a felony now? I mean, that's what it says, to face. 
So defacing, as in graffiti, or just maybe writing something in chalk, is not classified as a felony. Think about that for a minute. That is truly insane. But there's more. But you get the drift, all right? Uh, Section C under criminal penalties also covers those found to, quote, found to be a conspirator with persons who are found to have committed any of the issues listed in subsection A or B, end quote. Again, it's that defacing thing, all right? We've already had protesters that were arrested because they, you know, wrote something on a piece of equipment and with something that could easily be, you know, removed. So this is what we're dealing with now, okay? I mean, they can't have honest protest here. They absolutely cannot. Uh, not only do these corporations want a get-out-of-jail-free card from the law, from legislators, but they want to make sure that free speech is totally, and then the right of uh, peaceful assembly is totally destroyed. This is, and people, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about fascism. A lot of people don't know what that means. Fascism is government by corporate dictate, basically. Look at what we're doing here now. And make your own conclusions. So Alec is also, again, you can imagine, we have protesters that have been basically trespassing, which is a minor issue. It's a misdemeanor. I don't even know why they need these laws. I mean, think about it. We already have laws against vandal vandalizing we have laws against um stealing let's see all these different things so let me let's go back up here again okay uh we have laws in the books against basically damaging someone's property we have laws in the books against destroying someone's property we have laws on the books against vandalizing property or tampering with it in a way that could result in a dangerous situation but defacing First of all, why do we need this law, these laws at all? Why, are, why is the fossil fuel industry getting basically preferred, uh, preferred uh, protection over everyone else? This is not equal justice under the law. This is basically a, a proposed law that's written to elevate the fossil fuel industry and the rich above everyone else. Okay, that, That's what it is. All right. And to deface something seriously, that, that's, that's not a crime. Um, so, you know, Al, and this is something that you have to realize the people doing the protesting against the fossil fuel industry or the people we talked about last week protesting against the building of a Formosa plastics company, another plant. These are people that have been bit by bit poisoned by environmental pollution. And they are dealing with federal, state, and local governments that basically don't give a damn. All right? They, they just don't. Our, our government is just that corrupt, in my opinion. And so all they have left is protest. And now the most basic of American rights is being criminalized. And nobody's talking about it. Instead, they're focusing on a few folks that maybe are getting violent. So how has ALEC helped to devastate our protected First Amendment rights, which when you're poor, when you're a community of color, guess what? 
That's probably the only thing you have left. So I've discussed this piece in Mother Jones before, and it was from uh, this past June, 2020. And it was written by Navina Sadasavan, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name. And the headline is, U.S. states have spent the past five years trying to criminalize protests. Only two such laws have been challenged in court. And this piece was published in Grist, but also appears um, in Mother Jones as part of their Climate Desk Partnership. Um, the Minnesota legislature, they spent the last five years, according to this, preparing for the kind of protests that have rocked their city in the way, uh, after the police murder of George Floyd. And what they've done, they've been trying to criminalize any of these protests. Um, from 2016-2019, state lawmakers in Minnesota introduced 10 bills that made obstructing traffic on highways um, a misdemeanor, they increase penalties for protesting their oil and gas facilities, sound familiar? Um, and most of these proposals were introduced when it basically is a response to uh, continual protest against a very controversial oil pipeline, um, as well as following the police killing of Philando Castile in St. Paul. The bills would have allowed protesters to receive uh, a sentence in jail for up to a year and a uh, fine of up to $3,000 each. They would allow cities to sue protesters for the cost of police response. Ironic, I thought that police and firefighters and all that were paid for through our taxes. So many of the bills that were, were introduced in 2017, and it was after racial justice activists um, in that state made their point by shutting down a highway. We've done that here in St. Louis. Uh, people forget Ferguson is right here in St. Louis County. The ignored story, though, the pipeline, the energy company was Enbridge, and they were going to replace a pipeline that was running from Alberta, Canada to Wisconsin. And that's a pipeline that has had several leaks, actually. So some of these bills haven't become law, but three failed only because they were vetoed by the governor. Um, one of these laws that would have benefited Enbridge would have made trespassing on property, again, with oil and gas facilities, you could get up to three years in jail and a $5,000 fine. Sounds a whole lot like Alex template, doesn't it? Because it is. There are bills proposing criminalization of civil disobedience. Okay, there was a new report by PEN America, and PEN America is a non-for-profit that really uh, defends First Amendment rights. And according to their, their, their report, between 2015 and 2020, there were 116 of these type bills meant to shut down the First Amendment proposed in state legislatures throughout the country. 23 bills in 15 states of that 116 did become law. Activists protesting fossil fuel industry activity have faced felony charges in Houston Texas and Louisiana. In 2020, four states passed laws increasing penalties that, again, benefit a single industry, and that's fossil fuel. And those, are, those states are Kentucky, hello, Mitch McConnell, South Dakota, West Virginia, and Utah. Okay, the idea is interfering with oil and gas activity or what they call disturbing meetings of government officials. I don't know what that means. Um, that is all criminalized. So if you want to shout out something at a meeting, government officials, 
in one of those states, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have some legal fights, okay? And, and that's you have a right to face your government but and for redress of grievances, but according to Alex's model bill and where these states go with it, once again, apparently you don't. Um, if these bills were passed, they would increase disciplinary sanctions on campus protesters. Um, they would classify trespassing on property with oil and gas and infrastructure a felony, once again. They expand the definition of rioting. Uh, there's more bills criminalizing protests. Uh, some of them were, again, these two, these two issues of Black Lives Matter and communities of color protesting what is obvious police brutality, as well as environmental attacks against all of us, but especially communities of color, they go hand in hand. They just do. And I think that's what ter what's terrifying the GOP of Trump because there is a new unity. So there was a Tennessee lawmaker who proposed increasing penalties for rioting. And then we've got South Dakota Governor Christy Nome. She was one of the speakers of the RNC. She said that her administration is looking into what they call legislative proposals to respond to recent unrest. Now, the director of U.S. Free Expression Programs at PEN America has been quoted saying, quote, protests in the last several years has absolutely been followed by efforts by state legislators to criminalize the very activity practiced in the mere months prior. And that was according to Nora Benavides of the U.S. Free Expression Programs at PEN America. She went on to say, quote, there is this larger narrative that is being cast that protest needs to be narrowed and the definitions around what constitutes acceptable protests are becoming smaller and smaller. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, protests shouldn't interfere with business. Since when? Protests are supposed to inconvenience business. Mm -hmm. Protests are supposed to inconvenience a lot of things. It is the last attempt to get a government's attention, especially a government that is thoroughly corrupt and favors the rich over the rest of us. And so Benavides also show, found that uh, in many years before the recent large-scale protests, when you can, and when you basically combine that with basically the 2016 elevation of, of Trump, you saw conservative state legislators getting bolder, basically chipping away a constitutionally protected First Amendment activity. Okay, and in 2017. There were nationwide protests over, again, the police murders of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. But as well, there were protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline, which I believe is fracking, and marches um, really against Trump. And in 2018, you saw Minnesota State Senator Paul Utke. He sponsored a bill that would criminalize the training, hiring, or counseling, whatever that means, of those who do trespass on oil and gas pipeline property. And basically his bill would make it a felony with a prison sentence of up to 10 years and a $20,000 fine. And Utke did um, mention the Dakota Access Pipeline protest as his reason for sponsoring this very industry-specific bill. Since when is it legitimate to write a law or a bill that benefits a specific entity. It's not. So then you have in South Dakota, again, Christy Nome, 
spoke at the RNC, South Dakota's riot-boosting law allows the state to sue protesters for damages, but it was found unconstitutional in 2019. And it was created in anticipation of the protests against the Keystone XL pipeline. All right. Um, again, Benavides expects to see more bills curtailing the right to protest. And she went on to say, quote, the long-term and sustained ways to target certain groups comes not just from moments like this, but in the months that follow. Even if protests die down, the need to be ready to challenge some of these proposals is going to be really necessary, end quote. So now we have another group here, another watchdog, the First Amendment Watch Project at New York University. And I know I started out talking about ALEC. ALEC, it's, it's obvious what ALEC is. The American Legislative Exchange Council, you know, Bill Mill, they go strike the law. And, and let's face it, all right, they, they're bought and paid for, in my opinion, just like any streetwalker. The only difference is the cut of their suits. That's it. And the gated communities they probably live in. So the first, but we're going to talk about these good guys, and that's why we're talking about these watchdog groups. The First Amendment Watch is a project at New York University. It's a project at the Arthur L. Carter Journalism Institute. Now, they did what's called deep dive on how, quote, states rush to pass anti-protester laws, end quote. Again, this is, if you can't even protest, if you can't get in front of a camera to say, look, this company is dumping toxins into our water, we live in Cancer Alley, then you have nothing. And they want to shut everybody up because these industries know damn well that they're guilty as hell, most likely. So here, let's talk about some of this. April Fool's Day, April 1, God, three state in April Fool's Day 2020, and it's not a trick, unfortunately, three states passed laws that, quote, enhance punishments for fossil fuel protest. And the states are Kentucky, that's Mitch McConnell. South Dakota, that's Governor Christy Nome, spoke at the RNC the other night, and West Virginia. West Virginia's governor signed off on this, and his name is Jim Justice, and no, that's, that's not irony, it's just weird. He signed the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act. Gosh, that's exactly the same title that Alec put on their template. They didn't even bother to change the name. Oil and gas company facilities are now reclassified as critical infrastructure, and they're granted the same level of protection as dams and military facilities. Yeah. The law, quote, enhances, in other words, increases jail time and fines for something as minor as trespassing. This law does have an exemption for picketers if you're organizing protests on company property over, quote, this is from law over, quote, wages, salaries, hours, working conditions, or benefits, end quote. Okay. Governor in Kentucky, Mitch McConnell State, Governor Andy Bashir signed a similar bill. This is one that redefined natural gas and petroleum pipelines as key infrastructure assets, again, just like Alec. And now it's a first-degree criminal mischief offense to tamper with or even, again, merely deface fossil fuel infrastructure, to deface. In other words, you can't even take a piece of chalk and write, Trump is an idiot on an oil pipeline because you'll be facing cr prison time. That's how insane it is. South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, again, on the RNC the other night, seemed like a perfectly reasonable person, but for politics, not so reasonable. 
She signed a bill that designated, quote, the interruption or impairment in gas service a felony. Yeah, a felony. Christie passed a, a second bill that enhanced punishment uh, for those, quote, instigating, inciting, or directing riot, end quote. Okay. Too bad the law isn't applied to her buddy Donald Trump because he routinely incites the far right to violence. Okay. So then we go for there's another group that's trying to fight this uh, stripping of our rights, the National Lawyers Guild. And they tallied up the total number of anti-protest bills as of February of 2018. There were almost 60, just in 2018. Now we have the ICNL. This is the International Center for Not-for-Profit Law. They have a protest law tracker. And again, this is a group that's trying to even what's going on. Because right now, those of us who are not wealthy, we do not have equal access to the law. And to pretend we do is, is ludicrous. So the U.S. protest law tracker, um, it tracks initiatives at the state and federal levels on the wholesale attempts to restrict our right to protest, okay? State Innovation Exchange tracked how states have passed laws limiting also freedom of assembly because that's part of protest. As of 2017, 20 states have considered anti-protester laws. And think about it. where does the template or model bill that began this legislative obscenity, orig obscenity originate? Alec. In March of 2017, human rights experts at the United Nations stated these anti-protest bills in 19 states at the time serve as a direct threat, quote, to jeopardize one of the United States constitutional pillars, free speech, end quote. Now that's something. The U.N. officials urged various states not to retaliate and strip, quote, other protesters of their right to peaceful assembly, end quote, in response to isolated incidents of violence. Um, and the USA, under Trump, received the same criticism as Putin's Russia. Okay? And this is something that the Republicans should hang their heads in shame and, and actually... The DNC should, too, because they didn't really fight for us. The Washington Post in 2017 called out these anti-protest bills as 21st century versions of a legislative backlash, and they compared it to the civil rights era of the Montgomery bus boycott. NPR co covered this and spoke to how Arizona passed a bill which would, get this, quote, apply racketeering laws to demonstrations that cause property damage. SB 1142 would allow prosecution of everyone who participated in the protest and seizure of their assets, including individuals who remained peaceful. It also authorizes the arrest of people who are planning demonstrations, end quote. You can't make this stuff up. You absolutely cannot. This is something that we have been dealing with it and, and you know once again it didn't happen all at once but here we have a group like alec the american legislative exchange council and they are basically housed by this one law firm um, known as shook hardy and bacon and they have offices all over the world 
although they're they I think their main headquarters is they have an office in DC obviously, but their main headquarters is in Kansas. I don't know what it is about Kansas, all right? Coke Industries is located in Kansas. But think about what we're talking about here. We are talking about the criminalization did First Amendment activity. And the mainstream corporate media has been basically following the mantra, if it bleeds, it leads. So they show that there's rioting going on in the streets. And maybe they deal with the actual cause for the anger, maybe they don't. They don't really talk about how we are being systematically raped of our Bill of Rights. And and rape is not too strong a word for this. It's accurate. We have seen how corporate attorneys have, in my opinion, abused their law licenses, abused their role as officers of the court in order to have basically good relationships with big corporations that obviously don't want to follow the law. It's all about money, and we know this. But instead of being cynical about it, we need to start thinking about how are we going to deal with these enablers? How are we going to deal with the enablers of these basically rogue corporations that want to poison our air and our water and not follow the most basic of environmental laws with impunity? How are we going to deal with the enablers of legislators and lawyers that basically hide behind what can only be called a bunch of legal jargon to obfuscate the fact that they are doing something that is at the very least unethical and may very well be highly illegal. We live in an age where you have And an environmental lawyer like Stephen Donziger, who fought for the indigenous people in the Amazon, he beat Chevron after decades. And he just lost his law license from the New York bar. And he basically has been attacked by what is, in my opinion, a crooked judge who used to be a lobbyist and didn't disclose that. And Donzinger is being made to suffer because he fought for people of color, poor people of color in the Amazon against a big corporation, Chevron. Even though the pollution, it wasn't all Chevron. So it actually started out with Texaco and then Chevron bought it up. We have a similar situation here in St. Louis with Westlake Landfill. Okay. Um, A lot of the pollution liability was bought by a bigger company named Exelon. And they have not seen fit to do right by this community. And it's not just a Republican thing because Exelon has strong ties to Barack Obama. We have a legal system, if you will, that is irretrievably broken. There's no other way to put it. It just is. And now we have a president who, I'm just going to say it, Donald Trump's a criminal. He is. He's broken multiple laws. Nobody can keep track of the number of lies he tells on a regular basis. And once again, this is an instance where 
you don't just go after the head of the snake. You go after their enablers. You want to stop Trump? Go after his enablers. The lawyers, go after the legislators. And in terms of ALEC, once again, these corporations, go after the enablers. Go after Shook Hardy and Bacon and the attorneys there who have basically sustained, created and sustained ALEC. Go after all the enablers because that's how you're actually going to stop this. It's just that simple. You know, I've said before, and again, I know I'm rambling a bit, kind of bear with me. This is a little loose, fast and loose tonight. I've said often enough that the black, that communities of color, but especially the black community, is the political canary in a coal mine. Because they are. All right? Um, No doubt about it. And again, to tell the story of the canary in the coal mine, many, you know, maybe 100 years ago, miners worked. Maybe they were mining gold, silver, whatever. And we didn't have all the machinery we have now. So they would lower a canary in an open-air cage down a mine shaft. And if the bird came back and it was still alive, they knew that they could progress and go further, that it was safe to go on. There was oxygen. If the bird came back dead, they knew they could not go any further. They had to pick another path. The black community in particular in the United States is our political canary in the coal mine. They have been screaming and begging us for decades now, longer than that even, that there is no oxygen. They can't breathe in more than one way. And, and we ignore their rights. We ignore their concerns. We ignore their rights as fellow human beings at our own peril. It's that simple. We must deal with these issues of racism, including environmental racism. I know I'm editorializing tonight, but... I don't care. This is coming from the heart. I can shove all the facts and figures down your throats. I've got, I've got entire flash drives filled with documentation. But we also have to have, as Dr. King said, a revolution of values. We just do. We have to realize we're all in this together that environmental crimes and climate devastation, I'm not going to call it global warming, I'm going to call it global climate devastation, because that's what it is. It's all of us. We are in this together. There is no escape hatch. And there are some that would rather stick their head in the sand, to borrow another cliche, than face reality. But it's time for the adults in the room to take over. You know, it is clear after watching the RNC, the adults are not in charge. That's obvious. And we do not have to coddle them or play nice. And I won't coddle. When I see anybody's child suffering because they can't breathe, because they are suffering from cancer that has been caused by corporate pollution, And not because it was a risk, because the polluter themselves didn't want to follow the simple guidelines established by law. 
then I see something that is just, I, I, I just have to say it's pure evil. Okay, it just is. And when you see groups like ALEC who are jerry-rigging our legal system, they need to be held accountable. We do not, and we are not supposed to write laws that name a single entity and benefit a single entity. That's not rule of law. That's privilege. And the lawyers of ALEC that are connected with Shokardi and Bacon know better. This is ridiculous. But this didn't happen overnight. That's the thing. Yeah, ALEC's been around for a long time, since 1973. But this is also about the fact that we have let too many politicians and corporate entities get away with this. This is about the fact that, yes, we have Donald Trump now, who, in my opinion, isn't just a racist, he's a neo-Nazi. But when George W. Bush left office, the very same president that, yes, basically legalized torture with the help of John Yoo, Barack Obama's response was, we're not going to look backwards, we're going to go forward. Well, when you fail to prosecute those who try to justify evil such as torture, such as illegal wars based on a pile of lies, guess what? Then you're inviting further abuse. The law is supposed to be for all of us, and, and it's clearly not. So we're going to be discussing ALEC more and more, but they're not the only group. There's the Mackinac Center, and there's several others. And we're going to keep discussing them, and we're going to be outing them. We are not going to let these people basically work in anonymity any longer. Okay? This is something that has to change. Environmental racism is something that cannot be allowed to stand. And trickery and deceit in the law, in order to get out of having to have fair justice in the law, is not going to be allowed to stand either. You know, I've said it before. Yeah, big money can outspend us, but there aren't enough police. There are enough military in the world to stop all of us if we decide we are going to march for justice, we're going to help our neighbors, and we're going to embrace our brothers and sisters of color as a family because that's what has to happen. It just does. And this is something we're, we're going to be talking about it more and more. We're going to be talking about what happened to Stephen Donziger because this is an attempt to destroy democracy itself. There's no guesswork here. It's just that simple. So before we go, <clears throat> we have a few more minutes. I want to go back, if I can get this here kind of bear with me to that nice little ditty that we had before about Schoolhouse Rock and Alec Rock because it was so appropriate. 
Okay, it just was. And I'm going to play it in just a minute. Let's see, here we go. There we go. Let me see if I can get it here. Ah, give me a second, folks. Alec Rock, here we go. I think we have a few minutes left. Come on. This is something that is just so appropriate. And here we go, and we'll end with this. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long time. Tough break, Billy Boy, but there's a new way to make one these days. Alex the name, and you better not express the limo, pal. See, it works like this nowadays. A bunch of corporations get together and get tax write-offs for bankrolling a, a charity called the American Legislative Exchange Council. Sounds pretty official, huh? Then they schmooze and booze a whole lot of politicians from states all over the country at posh hotels. Corporate fucks also buy scholarships for politicians. If you're a scholar of drinking scotch, smoking cigars, and playing golf at a resort. So now there's suddenly one big happy family. The corporations, the lobbyists, the politicians. They all get together far away from your citizens and voters. And the unelected lobbyists secretly vote with the politicians. As equals, of course, on the things the corporations want to do. Like, uh, get clean air and water rules, raise your credit card rates as high as they want, crush them democratic unions, make it easier to get away with shooting people, and profitize, <clears throat> privatize schools, prisons, bail, immigration, and what have you. Hell, they privatize their own mothers. So once the politicians have been wined and dined, a little campaign contribution here, a good time there... The politicians, legislators, head back to their capitals or Congress and fast track as many of these bills as they can. And here I am, a model Alec bill, soon to be law. It's a hell of a lot easier and more fun than how you used to do it with all those regular old citizens and meddling media watching your every move. Face it, you're washed up. Corporations have made government of the people obsolete, Bill. It's a thing of the past. What do you have to say? No, no, Help! I gotta stand my ground on you right here. Put you out of your misery. And that's the Environmental Justice Report with Janine Moloff. See you next week, and good night. <laughs>